0: I'm Jay Moran.
1: I'm Bridget J. paul Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White.
2: I'm Angeli Preston.
1: And I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez.
3: This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario.
0: We're gonna have some real healing. We've gotta have space to tell some uncomfortable truth.
3: What's next?
1: Continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond.
4: In the suburban area everywhere. We must
1: work and teach our children. Good morning, and welcome back to What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and I'm, I'm, I'm joined by a, a healthy bunch here of involved individuals, but mainly veterans of our military that are bringing awareness to two one. It's our information number. To contact, to connect us to to the resources in our community, to people in our community. And in particular, we're gonna be talking about 211 Vets. This is an initiative that 211 of Western New York began. But before I go any further, I want the people that are actually putting this word out there to to do the talking. I'm joined by Bob James. He's the leader, the 211 Vets leader, and also part of Buffalo Blues for Vets. Also joined by retired Navy Edward Gadson. Also retired VA certified peer specialist, also part of uh, from Batavia VA and Marlene Roll, a woman's veteran chair 2022 to 2023 uh, and 2021-2023 VFW legislative chair. Also a higher ground board member. And you're also part of the Western New York National Cemetery Memorial Council. A lot of bona fides here, but uh, I appreciate you all for joining me on what's next today and, and for hopefully sharing with our community some something that some really cool stuff that you guys are doing here for for our, our military veterans and families. First and foremost, I think we have to explain, as we were talking before the interview, Some we, we, Ed has great grandkids. Do they know what, what 401 was or 201 211 was in this case? Um, what it, so what is 211 in Western New York, Bob?
3: Well, I'll give you a quick overview on, on 211. It's, it's been around for a long time. For those that have, have history in Western New York, it used to be called Central Referral Service, if you remember that. Central Referral Service then became 211-WNY. It's strongly supported by United Way of Buffalo and Erie County. It's basically a social safety net. So you can call 211 on your phone 24-7. They also have 211-WNY.org a website that lists a lot of resources and covers everything. It, if it's if it's a medical emergency, of course, you call 911. If you want to referral to government services, you call 311 and 211 is for so, kind of a social network. And Two one is a national initiative. Most communities across the country have a two one one, but nobody has a two-one one vets. And how we came about with that idea is something that I'll that I'll share. No, that's no point. that <laughs> that
1: was that's what I wanted. It's it's connecting folks with resources in their community. In this case, something important, tailor-made uh, resources for what's gonna be now or what's become two one vets. Correct me if I'm wrong, but two one WNY, they realized that there was a need for addressing the concerns of military veterans and their families. And there was a disconnect there as far as where to get these resources.
3: Yeah, let me give you a little bit of a background on how that came about. I run the Buffalo Blues for Vets music campaign. We've done over 70 events where we raise money for nonprofits serving veterans and military families. I got all my friends to donate their time and their talent as musicians to play for free. And after raising at this point, we're over two hundred thousand dollars that we've raised for nonprofits serving veterans and military wow. families. But after doing those, and with the background in education and doing some research on the educational world, I decided it was time to start asking some questions. I'm getting all my friends to donate their time. We're raising a lot of money. We're handing that money out to twenty-five different nonprofits that we serve it was important to start asking some questions to make sure that we were supporting the need. So I started with some help of some other people, a study. We did a couple of focus groups, very rich data. COVID came along. So five-year study. Yeah, yeah. We did COVID, pre-COVID focus groups. And when COVID came along, we, I continued with one on one interviews and got a lot of incredible stories from veterans and military families. The general question was, out of everything you know, about veterans and military families in Western New York, what is the greatest need? That was the initial prompt. And as people would respond, we'd drill down into different areas. Hmm. So the main thing that everybody agreed to, and I gave you that list of six different yep. data points, but the main thing that came up, I heard 80% of the people we talked to said, there's a lot of resources in Western New York. It's really hard to navigate, especially if you're a veteran just transitioning from military to civilian mm-hmm. life, it's overwhelming. We need one place that has all these things listed. So slowly over a couple of years, we put this together this idea, working with 211WNY, let's make a targeted site just for veterans and military families called 211Vets. And some friends in the national level of the VA said, there's no other community that it's doing something like this that has a targeted site that has all the resources. So there's 11 different categories of things from support groups to housing to financial aid to legal help to counseling and all those things that people will be able to access when it's live and it'll be launched by the middle of October and that's where how it came about.
1: Well, and as you mentioned, uh, the, the takeaways from this the study are pretty eye-opening. You gave me kind of some of the standout concerns but some of the highest need veterans are the hardest to reach shouldn't be that the, the 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 concern that as you mentioned going from transitioning from from military life into civilian life is in itself an overwhelming process not having those connections to to, to the resources available and if in this case it seemed like there was an abundance of them or that, that it was an overwhelming amount for some veterans
3: yeah there's uh we actually had i'm going to send you this in advance but here it is now here's a list of 25 nonprofits oh, wow. that our music charities have donated to, and there's probably three times that in Western New York. So there's a lot of resources that come into Western New York that go to different services and programs that support veterans and military families. But it's very hard for somebody that's new to the system of needing support to come back Just from wherever they were deployed and land back in Buffalo, maybe not even have a stable place to live, and be able to navigate where the services are that they really need to get to. So that's why we decided to kind of organize this under one umbrella and and uh, that's what two one vets is going to be when it's live within the next couple of weeks. So 211 vets was based on a study that we did. As we got rolling with the idea for 211 vets, we realized different neighborhoods may have different needs and both Mayor Brown's office mm-hmm. and the office of April Baskins and Erie County legislator suggested that Perhaps East Buffalo needs its own study to find out what's happening in East Buffalo that may need an understanding in terms of where the needs are that might be different than other parts of the city. That's where we came up with this idea for an East Buffalo study. It's like an extension of the original study that drove 2 one more
1: hyper-focused hyper on, yes. on, a, on a specific group of, of individuals that are, one, in a, in a, in a, have their own inequities, and also now as former military having another set and, and I believe you're, you're, you're from uh, East Buffalo, correct? Right. What, what are some of those things that we could, that like, for example, one of the, the points that is on the takeaway study from the five-year study, 92% of military families feel the general public doesn't understand the sacrifices they make. Right. I, I, I feel like that's doesn't have to be stated because I don't feel, unless you're in the military, you don't understand all that goes into it. Right. But now as a person of color, as, as a vet, what does that cross-sectional look like?
0: I've lived in East Buffalo for about 12 12 years, all right? And one of the first things that I noticed is just like the study, you know, reflects. Most of the veterans that I know in East Buffalo feel forgotten about, right? They feel misunderstood uh, because the military, the military uh, molds us into soldiers and sailors or whatever, and uh, we have a different lingo we have a different language um, there's certain th- we have some of our values are different than uh, the average Joe civilian and all of this kind of stuff and so when we try to transition when we transition back into civilian life it's just skewed it's different
1: the intensity the the, the energy it's you're, hard to communicate yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's really difficult to to communicate
1: and the training itself doesn't does, it discourages individuals from being open and transparent in that's a way, correct.
0: right? That's Suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up and move forward. That's it. You know, uh, that's basically it. Uh, coupled with that in East Buffalo, East Buffalo, the veteran community is majority minorities, all right? And with that, as a minor- minority, comes a certain level of mistrust mm-hmm. of the communi- with, the, uh, with the government, mistrust. So therefore, there's hesitancy in connecting with resources. I mean... Uh, VA Medical Center of Buffalo is right there. It's right there on Bailey Avenue, mm-hmm. the right smack on the east side, <laughs> right? But there are a lot of veterans in the community that are like, I'm not going to the VA. I'm not going to the VA. They're not going to help me. They never helped me while I was in the military. That's a government facility, and the government on and on and on and on. So there's this barrier to the connection right there.
1: It's not just, it's not just in the, the military world, but we, I mean— I had a guest on just recently from Buffalo Black Nurses and the aversion that folks have to getting healthcare help in any way because of just the, the troubled past. You were talking about right. the Tuskegee experiment, Henrietta Lacks. There's been a lot of mistrust. There are justified mistrust from the community because these glaring issues. Right. Uh, so hopefully, though, it seems like the, the study is going to be tailored to East Buffalo to hopefully gather and glean some of the the specific concerns of, of minority vets in, in our town. Exactly right. And that's, so right now, uh, the website is eastbuffalostudy.org. Yes.
3: People go online to that eastbuffalostudy.org. They'll see a survey that takes about 10 minutes to fill out. In addition to the online survey, we're doing some outreach focus groups. We did one, Ed and I did one at the Altamont House, which is a halfway house on the east side of Buffalo on Wyoming Street. I don't want to share what they are now because it'll be in the report, but we heard some incredible stories from the veterans there. And Ed, Ed is also coordinating, uh, maybe you can mention about the church and the barbershop right. shops being a access point for us to go out to. Right. you want to say something about that and why those are good targets for us? Yeah, I
0: absolutely do. When East Buffalo... Um, I'll venture to say the hood, in the hood. You said it, not me. <laughs> in the hood, in the hood. I'm keeping it real with you. In I... the hood, barbershops are a central hub for communication yeah. in the hood. It's where
1: you find out the news of the day, who's doing what, exactly. what team beat who, uh, what what is the real Anything news. if you want
0: to find out, just go sit in the barbershop. Don't even have to get a haircut. Just <laughs> where stay. do you go? Just kind of sit. I go to Profile on Bailey Avenue. I also got got this nice haircut. I got this at uh, High and Legends. <laughs> Legends on Kend- Kensington.
1: Oh, good. Well, our our uh, our show's uh barbershop is, P. is uh, P. P. Just P. His name's
0: P. Oh, very cool.
1: Character. <laughs> our our barbershop of of what's next is choice is uh, signature cuts on Main. Signature. We've done it. We've done a few pieces there because it's it's where you hear the scuttlebutt. You oh, hear the you hear what's going on. So it's it's exactly. it's wise that Two on Vets is focusing on on, on, on barbershops, but also churches, all big community spots.
0: Right, right, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm basically boots on the ground in, in East Buffalo. We're
1: going to have a lot of military yeah. references here, I feel like. And that, that, I'm, I'm going to lose count, but sorry, continue. Yeah, on. I'm
0: beating the pavement and saying, hey, what's up, man, and, you know, giving a little bit of dap and giving that smile, like, what's, what's up The type of deal to, to just kind of get some kind of conversation going. And uh, I've been going to the local barbershops and just leaving literature there uh the dry cleaners that's a, mm-hmm. another hub also the the churches there's like a church on every other corner on the east side of, on the uh, east side and of Buffalo.
1: places where our our veterans would would be normally right. you're gonna you're gonna go get a haircut you're gonna go to hopefully you're, you're part of a parish um, it's first off as we mentioned it's already a part of the population that's not being listened to enough and then you add the the other factor of a racial component so I I, I Tip my hat off to you all for focusing in on that segment of the population because our goal here on, on on this program is to hopefully raise awareness on the conversations that need to be had, and we talk a lot about East Buffalo and and what's gone on and what's been going on, but uh, not so much about our, our, our vets. I try. We've had stories about veterans in Buffalo, but not. I'm glad we're we're reaching out to this this population. Yeah, and. Uh, and Marlene, you are uh, also a veteran, but one thing that also has gone underreported or understated is that as as a woman in the military, that transition to civilian life is, uh, it's one of the takeaways from the, the study, it's tougher than a man's transition.
4: It, it's a little bit more complicated, a little bit more compound. You know, our men that come back and transition, you know, have a hard time connecting Women's roles are a little bit different in the family dynamic. Mm. You know, they're the caretakers and stuff. So oftentimes when they get back, they may have other obligations. It might be kids. It might be uh, senior parents, you know, whatever. So they kind of like drop their duffel bag and go right into whatever support role they find themselves in. If not, they're also doing the school, finding a job and all that. But the other part with them, I mean, we have our homeless veterans. We we know about our homeless veterans, you know, sleeping out underneath bridges and, and all that. Our women veterans are a little bit harder to find that are homeless um, because a lot of times they end up being with family members, but the VA doesn't necessarily count them as homeless because they're in somebody's home. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's a little harder to, to check in on all that dynamics. And if they don't have a permanent address at that location or they're you know going from one spot to another, um, so it can be a little bit more difficult for women. Um, and, and, and it's the newest segment of of uh, the population of military, you know, there's are still um, probably about, was it, 15%, eight, between 15 and 18% of the military at this point. So it's a small population, uh, so it's not as readily thought of. It's a smaller, of right. a smaller component of a smaller,
1: yeah, yep, yep.
4: A little subset.
1: Yep, exactly.
3: But there's a lot more research about men's transition. There's very little research about women's transition right. in terms of what are the dynamics that Marlene's talking about. How do we best deal with those dynamics because it's kind of like a new area of study that's, right. that's barely tapped into which because makes- that
1: that that subset has has grown though it had, the numbers are increasing which is, is good to, it's good to hear, but it's not to the point yet where we've we've addressed it as, 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 as to the same point that we should. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm speaking with Edwin Gadson, Marlene Roll, and Bob James of 201 vets. Marlene, you mentioned, the, the, the women's transition and some of those forgotten services that they might need different from a military man to, to civilian transition. What are some of those that, that that two one vets is, is going to connect other female vets to?
4: Well, hopefully one, a lot of them have uh, issues with childcare. Um, you know, a lot of them might be single moms. Uh, maybe they were even when they went in the military, uh, but it's uh, knowing where they can go medically, uh, VA is certainly paramount, but not all qualify to go to the VA. So there may be other places they need to search out. Um, Places that they can look for, like uh, I recently met somebody who does helps women with dressing for success and, and things like that. Uh, Help them get jobs come Um, back from
1: the military to get a job You You have to do a resume a cover letter all these things that sometimes if you go from high school into into the military You don't don't have have that (laughs) you don't have that. Yeah,
4: (laughs) you know your resume is your military Yes, and And how do you transition that 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 was my next
1: question is how do you show all the accomplishments? You did in a completely different sector now. You want a marketing job.
4: Yeah, right And yeah, and yeah, so and it so you can't really use the military lingo as to what your your job is and Mm -hmm. that goes the men as well as the women, but how do you transition that what you did into a civilian terminology, mm-hmm. which we found out was being you know kicking a lot of our veterans out of um, you know, applying online for jobs um, because they weren't
1: entering key words, so you were filtered mm-hmm. out right away. Uh, you know, that's so. that's for anybody. That's a, the, yeah. the bane of their existence when they're looking for a job. But correct, that's something. Yeah, yep, that you might not know if you're if you're busy defending this country elsewhere. Uh, it's. It's, it's all about knowledge, and you know, that's what it comes down to, and, and the fact that, that you're, you're tying these loose ends and in, in connecting people to, to these vital services.
3: Even though 2 on one Vets has a lot of conventional linkages to housing, legal help, financial help, and so on, it's also advocating for the fact, and Marlene and Ed can talk about this, that what we consider complementary interventions are just as valuable. Mm-hmm. Horses, photography, mm. music dogs and all that kind of stuff i first met marlene at the event where we were raising money for was it for higher Higher ground ground. yeah maybe you could talk a little bit about outdoor programs ed's involved in a program that actually uses the therapeutic impact of relationships with horses that make a big difference too so 211 vets as it's funded by a music and arts charity, mm-hmm. we want to look at things that are outside the more traditional sitting on the couch with a counselor yes. talking. Yes. So maybe you guys could talk a little bit about why those complementary services can be as powerful or even more powerful than just conventional talk therapy. Right. Let me, let me, re- let me, jump in right there real quick. Uh,
0: this is Ed. Right. Um, when I first discharged from the submarine service, all right, um, I didn't know what was going on with me. All I knew was that I was struggling and I wasn't happy and I was feeling a whole multitude of feelings about society and all that What kind time of, of misunderstanding. What,
1: what year was this? Or I discharged
0: in 1993. I joined in 98. I served aboard submarines. I was a chief petty officer. USS Dallas was my boat, Hunt for Red October. That was my boat. Wow. So it was an absolute honor to Just a in. little humble brag there. <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. please. Little, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. to me. That was my sub. Uh, she's decommissioned now. I'm still in touch with my shipmates. You know, we're, we're proud of the, our boat. Anyway, uh, y- you know, when I discharged um, from the military, I struggled with substance abuse and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. Isolation It's just me against the world type of deal. Um, you know, I had a couple of bouts where I was seriously thinking about taking myself out. Hmm. Okay, um, but fortunately, I connected with VA. VA saved my life. Um, I went through a battery of treatments um, where I was diagnosed with, with PTSD, anxiety, depression, and other stuff. Clean and sober now for thirteen years. Yeah, good day. job. One oh, day at a time. And I'm Just loving life. And uh, so VA VA really helped to save my life. Uh, there was still something missing though. I wasn't quite there yet. Something inside was still broken. That counts traditional counseling and evidence-based treatment couldn't reach that. All right. I connected with higher ground. Mm-hmm. Higher ground. Uh, it's it's a veteran. Uh, what is it? Recreate adaptive. It's adaptive say, sports right. therapy. Mm. Right.
4: So we take veterans. We fundraise and take veterans out. Uh, anything from a day program to a week-long retreat mm-hmm. and we do a variety of things so if you think of any kind of sports we can do it so we've done the horseback riding right. we've done uh, kayaking uh, hiking climbing ice climbing uh, you name it we do it curling well, that i'm, might thinking, be I'm saying i'm just saying about the winter sports <laughs> we're all about our winter
1: sports up
0: here right. I'll,
4: I'll mention it to him so,
0: uh, so eight years ago so that's uh, my wife that's and awesome. i uh just stumbled across an opportunity to go to a week-long veterans retreat with higher ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a week-long retreat, and it was focused on horsemanship, all right? N- neither my wife or myself ever ha- did anything.
1: Yeah, had you, had you ridden a horse before never, this?
0: Never, ever, never, ever. You know, my, Let
4: me my, say, Not required to go on the retreat. Exactly. So our first response was, "Oh
0: man, they stink and they're so big, they're scary. I don't know if this thing's going to kill me or love me or lick me or what, <laughs> whatever." So I uh, come to find that I connected with a horse, with a horse during that retreat. His name is Echo. That was eight years ago. Really. I'm so, still right so, I'm yeah. still connected with oh. with Echo. I see him like the, twice the, a week. The,
1: that bond between horse and rider. There's a some unspoken bond there between you and the horse that and
0: connection between myself and echo, echo and that horse reached that part that was still broken reached it, it it's just spiritual it's magical i mean he doesn't talk he doesn't <laughs> expect anything but but the horse winston churchill said something there's something about the the outside of a horse that is good for the inside of a man Oh, I love that. Rate. Said that and that is so, <laughs> so true. That that's my mantra right there. Every time I'm around Echo, everything's all right. I feel safe. I feel okay. You know, um just being around him, just feeling his heartbeat and just listening to him breathe and mm. just having him nudge his big head against me and all of this kind of stuff. Just being out there with that horse does something that like I said It's a calming force. Can't, and, yeah. You can't, can't do.
1: And something that that you you Take as trivial, or something that some folks might take as trivial, has that profound effect. That's and that's right. just one component. Just I, as I look at the the list again that 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 you provided of all these these of all the, the organizations that have helped, I mean, there's there's Higher Ground in, is in there. You've got uh, Veterans for One Stop Center of Western New York, Working Dogs for Vets, uh, Gold Star Mothers. <sighs> some these are these are each as important as the next one. Uh, Center for the Arts is getting. Getting, I think, uh, figuring out that there's there's hobbies, there's other things, components to, to life outside of uh, the military. That's that's some folks don't have that immediate realization. So th- this hopefully two in one is going to be partnering up uh, our needy veterans with some of these services. That are- I'll give a plug for what
3: Ed's talking about. There's a there, there's a stable that now is a nonprofit section, and I think it's called Horses Healing Hearts. Yes, we're doing an event for them at the cave. Little plug. Jan- January 20th, it's a fundraiser for them. And that's the horse that Ed is connected to is part of this nonprofit that is trying to reach out and do more support for, uh, for veterans with that. On November 29th at the cave, again, local venue, we're doing an event for dog tags, New York. They get shelter dogs that then get trained and get placed in the homes of veterans. So there's as many stories about horses and vets, as there are about dogs and veterans that make like having a living therapist, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and so we're doing that stuff as well. So part of the two-on-one vets thing is to try to recognize that these what people consider complementary interventions just have as much power mm-hmm. as um, as others. Were you involved in uh, Brendan's the, f-
4: the the photography? Yes, that's an incredible um, program as well. That was uh, another supported. yeah the Odyssey, Odyssey project. The Odyssey was. project. Brendan Bannon uh, is a photographer uh, it's his vocation in life and uh, he came upon a, a situation where he had traveled for his job in other countries living there you know and and working with the people there and capturing their lives on film but eventually um, it, it kind of overtook him you know much like wartime does it just kind of gets into your soul and, and drags you down. Um, he did have to come back and um, take care of a family member and stuff, and and things got kind of rough for him. And when he realized he was in such a dark hole, I guess, he decided to pick up his camera the one day, or a friend suggested to him to pick up his camera. And when he did, he sort of came back to himself. So he thought if it worked for him, it would work for veterans. Uh, So he started the Odyssey Project, where he was fundraising. He was um, getting uh, support through Canon to give uh, cameras to veterans to go out and uh, go through a 10, 12-week 10, uh, course on uh, assignments that he gives you. So I remember, like, the first one was uh, to go home, and you you were supposed to come back to class the next week with 10 photos of what home is to you. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he says, and I don't want a picture of your house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for Challenge you. accepted. So, yeah, right. So, right. I mean, I spent the whole week going, you know, I like what do I take a picture of? I mean, I, I just, it, it took that effort, you know, to get out of that, That simplistic, you know, and really dive in. And um, I've seen, I've seen it work magic. Um, We've had some people have really struggled, and I say, "Have you pick up your camera? Pick up your camera? Mm -hmm. Pick up your camera?" And they're like, "Oh, all of a sudden, they're out doing this, they're out doing that, you know?" (laughs) Right? Exactly. Um, So you know, like these stories aren't really unique to helping veterans. And and one of my personal side effects on all of this is with these alternative uh, programs that are out there and people willing to help and putting them all in one spot where veterans can reach out, maybe reconnect and um, de-isolate, maybe we can knock down that 22 a day.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's, it's, it's helping give that, that, little, that little hole that's mm-hmm. missing yep. that's right. you know, at, and fill it in, and, and that's connectivity, and it's usually connectivity to mm-hmm. other veterans.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's, I, I just need to say this. All the stuff that we're talking about that we were fortunate enough to, to be a part of and stuff, East Buffalo veterans are totally oblivious that these things even exist. Oh, that's so and that's something... Like these alternate programs or any mm-hmm. program. Exactly.
1: Well, because you, you you hear the VA, you hear of, of, of the primary, like the mental health outlets, but not the alternative ones that we're talking about here, which is just another component of assimilating back into everyday civilian lifestyle. It, it's, it's just a different world out there. And then coming back to, to this world, forgetting that you... Can pick up a camera. You could build up the confidence to ride your own Light your us. own horse. <laughs> I see that there's a there's a, a motorcycle association. Uh, whatever it takes to fill that longing, that as you mentioned, that one hole that we we all have. We all are looking to become more complete humans. But the, the military service takes a little bit more out of you, and and it takes a little bit more to sometimes fill that gap. So do
3: one more yes. plug. There's a place that I do some work with unpaid i don't take any salary for what i do (laughs) westfall center for the arts they run free music programs on thursdays this thursday we're starting a new group of guitar and ukulele lessons for you
1: ukulele yeah (laughs) that's a that's one you don't hear about (laughs) oh
3: well they got a great teacher out there sue from limelight music (laughs) that teaches ukulele on the 11th of november which is veterans day it's a saturday we're doing an event with a band called the kensington's to celebrate kind of the launch of the two one one vet site. We have some woodworkers that have donated some beautiful items that are getting auctioned off to support the nonprofits. But Westfall Center for the Arts is very much a community focused, nonprofit, beautiful arts center that supports veterans through music lessons and other kinds of things as well. So I'm glad you recognize that beyond the traditional that the complimentary services mm-hmm. are important because that's one of the things of two one one vets is to Step back as far as possible and say, what are all the things that are out there that are helpful that we can build awareness and access to by by going online and uh, doing that stuff? And especially for East Buffalo, Ed and I did one focus group down there, and I can't wait to share some of the stories that we heard there when we finished the study. But it was incredible in terms of the kind of symptoms of the east side of of, uh, the Buffalo, east Buffalo that came out during our conversations with some of the guys down there.
1: So 2 one Vets is not yet live. It's going to be.
3: Right. But By the middle of October, it's going to be live. It's a, we, had a, we have a, Mayor Byron Brown's excited about it. Mark Poloncarz, county executive, is excited about it. Brian Higgins' office has helped us with this as well. Bob and I are actually going to be doing another focus group uh, with the veterans that
0: are in my congregation at my church. Yeah, that's uh, important. We already sat down with uh, my pastor, Pastor <laughs> Woods. Bob and I sat down with Pastor Woods, and he's all in. He says, whatever we need to do, you know,
1: it's to, just going out there and hearing what people need help right. with. And, yeah. and that, that it, like I said, it should be a, a simple thought that crosses our minds. But unfortunately, it took it took some it took five years to, to figure out that we needed this. Yeah, the initiative. studies
3: formally started around 2018. But when I started running these music events in 2016, people would come up to me and just tell me all these stories. Then I started taking notes and I thought this needs to be formalized Mm -hmm. as far as the study is not funded. It's all done by just the passion and to be on a mission of trying to get a really clear picture on what's going on in Western New York. But it just began by stories that came to me. And uh, then we kind of formalized it with focus groups. Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association of Batavia was one of those most powerful focus groups I ever set in on. And that was done just before covid shut down our plan for more focus groups. So that's a whole other story in and of itself. Everybody in leather, and every other <laughs> word is the F word. And they asked my daughter, who was taking notes, how's the F button on your keyboard holding up? <laughs> <out?" laughs> but I tell you, the stories I got out of there were so powerful. I haven't even tapped any of those yet, but they kind of drove some of the findings from the net, the general study in terms of those six six data points that I shared with you.
1: And then as far, once again, as far as our east buffalo veterans it's www.eastbuffalostudy.org yes yes and and uh once the service goes live two one one vets.org and you'll find this listing of 11 different types of services
3: like i said support groups counseling mental health advocacy health care music and arts programs outdoor programs all (laughs) those. i can't go through all the whole gamut yeah that stuff that'll all be listed there and they'll be and we're going to see that the site's going to get built and improved over time Telesco Creative Group helped us put the original design together, and they're going to be involved as we've got QR
1: start. codes. You've got
3: as, as, as user-friendly as possible. That QR mm-hmm. code is, it goes to the eastbuffalostudy.org site so, for the survey. And again, anybody listening that wants to tell us what they know, go on to the survey. And take 10 minutes and just tell us what you know, and that'll become part of our data that we analyze. might be it. a
1: new organization to add to, to the yeah. list of them that right. we don't know. Something may grow out of this. Yeah.
3: Buffalo.study.org. <laughs> Eastbuffalostudy.org right. is right. the website. Well, and it goes right to the survey. It's a Google Doc. It's very easy to fill out.
1: It's wonderful that you all are taking the time to raise awareness on this. Uh, one of the, the quotes that stood out here also from the study, West Junior. York, is rich but fractured there's 50 organizations that are serving our veterans but you can't find them hopefully two-on-one vets is going to do that for a lot of our our population so thank you so much thank you ed marlene and bob for coming down on what's next and and sharing with with our audience and for your service yeah my pleasure Thanks
0: thanks for having us
1: and we'll return with more of what's next after this short break
3: you're listening to what's next our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We
0: want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's Next at wbfo.org. Together
1: we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. We're going to be covering uh, the story of, of of an individual, Jamel Pritchett. Uh, he's here with us today, as well as uh, some of the folks that are that are helping him with his his case. Christy Cleaver, uh, case manager and assistant director of community programs at Peace Prince of Western New York, and Christian Holdridge, director of development at Peace Prince. And Jamel, uh, your story came came to me uh, and, and it, was, it was alarming because uh, we're going to get into the work that Peace Prince is doing, but we've already had Peace Prince on at one point on our former uh, show iteration, Buffalo, What's Next? You, you all are doing great work as far as getting individuals that have been in the justice system to get back into, into, into society, reentering into society successfully, um, trying to break the cyclical jail system that, that happens a lot in this country. But uh, Jamel, you, we'll, we'll get into the, 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 your background, but where we can start is you are trying to apply to college. You're trying to get into Hilbert College and your application was, it seemed, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm oversimplifying it, but we'll get to the specifics, but you applied, you were everything, all sources, all signs looked like you were going to be admitted and then it was revoked. Give me exactly what occurred there. You were, you are on probation, and you're yes. coming back, and you're trying to get into college. You're you're a young young man. How old are you? Twenty two. Twenty two, trying to apply for Hilbert College, and how was that process?
5: It was kind of good in the beginning. Well, it was
1: great in the beginning. Promising, it seemed like, you'd done all the all the all the the paperwork, the, the application process, and when did it start? When did it take a turn?
5: After they told me I was accepted. And I was supposed to get a letter in the mail, and it had been kind of long. So I was getting worried, like, what's going on?
1: And it was, uh, I have the timeline here provided by Christy of, of, of everything that, that, that went down. And uh, she did everything that an that incoming student would normally do to try to get into a school. Uh, attending the open houses, you have a football pass and, and Hilbert College, if I'm not mistaken, it's the second year of having a football program. You met with football coaches that were interested in doing that. You were looking into the cybersecurity program at Hilbert and met with, with admissions representatives. Uh, that was back in April, right? And then come May, you submitted the application and all the paperwork necessary. And then your criminal history was disclosed on the initial application. Is that where, where things kind of went awry?
5: Not from the application. They sent me an email, and I had to, like, disclose it again.
1: You had to write an essay explaining, and you had to get also, I believe, you're, you're a parole officer in, involved to, to basically, as a former alum, also advocate for you. And uh, when your PO, Michael Kessler, gets involved, what what starts happening there?
5: <clears throat> um, To be honest, I don't know what really occurred. He just told me. He would reach out and try to do the best he can
6: it seemed like things moved faster like from there so we didn't know what the timeline should be Mm -hmm. because we're applying out of you can apply year round there but we didn't know what the timeline should be we didn't go until april so we're looking for a fall admission most people have done that a long time before that but they were still open to enrollments so we didn't know if it would take months or weeks or we didn't really know so we submitted everything um and then just kind of waited and so when we met with his uh, probation officer, and he said, "No, oh, I don't like that you haven't heard anything yet. Let me see if I can get anywhere." And things started to move from there because that same day he emailed the person we'd been in touch with, um, and that person was not there anymore. He forwarded it to the next person. That's when the ball really started rolling. And he got admitted that same week. Like he got a text message from the school's representative. Around saying, late
1: May, early June.
6: No, this was this was in I think August.
1: Oh, okay. You had spoken also to, to the football coach of Hilbert College uh, to hopefully participate once you were enrolled. And in, yeah, in August August 11th, uh, you received your denial. So July
6: 14th um, is when he got the message saying that the, he'd been- Congratulating
1: on the acceptance to Hilbert. Mm-hmm. So at what point, uh, Christy, you are, you're, uh, you're Jamel's case manager. Mm-hmm. And at what point did you start working with Jamel on, on, on this application process?
6: So he identified that this was what he wanted probably a month before that open house. And so we started, I mean, at that point, you're just waiting and then we filled out the application and then you wait some more. Um, so we just were waiting for them to, to let us know, like, here's the next step. And when it got to like, okay, the, we're getting to the, you know, we're a month out, the football team's got to be practicing by now. We should have heard from somebody Mm -hmm. by now. Um, that's when we
1: started to worry. And uh, let me step step aside for a minute because i do want to also once again set the table here and and both christy and christian uh with peace prince of western new york uh you've been helping Jamel with his case but for over 40 years now the organization peace prince of western new york has been helping a number of other individuals like him and re-entered society that have once have, have already gone through the justice system but can you give give us a quick overview of what that work that peace prince does how does that look like
2: so we have we have a number of different programs all designed to meet an individual wherever they happen to be at within the cycle of incarceration. So we have programming for youth and adults pre- and post-release, so we're working with them while they're still detained, while they're still incarcerated, helping with goal planning settings so that when they're released, they can hit the ground running and immediately just start working towards those goals. Um, we also have residential programming where individuals who are involved in the justice system in one way or another can come and live within this Supportive communal living to just ease the transition back into the community.
1: I I, I, I Want to give you the opportunity to, to give me your, your your background your story, but um, You you're on probation. You wanted to get into college do right and yet you're going through these extra hurdles It seems like right and 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 how how has that been? I mean, I I, I assume very frustrating. But being being in it, uh, what are the feelings that 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 come up while you're while you're going through this very convoluted process? Normally, that that just seems to get an extra layer of difficulty, given your your past.
5: The feeling really unexplainable. Um, like before I came home from jail, I told myself like. I was gonna do right and everything was gonna be good, so I got with Chrissy. She was helping me since I came home, and then everything went downhill. So it's kind of like I wanted to stop and just give up, but I'm like, nah, I ain't gonna stop and give up.
1: And that's that's what we're trying to avoid here. I I think with Peace Prince is is that feeling of helplessness. Um, to to know that there you can bounce back, you can get back to everyday life because that's what how it should work uh, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to pay for something beyond what the the, the sentence time was um, and I believe reading your case and some of the emails that you exchanged with Hilberg College that at one point you kind of grew sour of the application or just the, the the idea of applying for a college it's already as I think we've established it's very overwhelming at first but when you start getting those rejections and and, and when you have these factors—that's uh, got to be—it's got to be crushing. Is that still the case?
5: As far as my feelings, not anymore.
1: So, so hopefully, if if it's not through Hilbert College, somewhere else, but that's still an avenue that you want to seek out.
5: Yeah, I'm still going to college for sure.
1: That's what we don't want to, to die out. That the, the the like, I applaud you for that because I. We've all, a lot of us listening and here, gone through this process. And after the last thing you, you need to hear is yet another rejection. So um, I applaud you for that. And I, and, I, and I wish you luck on whatever comes next. But um, just to kind of give more context to, to the, the process. So we get an acceptance in around July. And Michael Kessler, your, your parole officer, is, is advocating for you, is talking to the administration because he himself is an alum. And then in August, uh, you get a denial. Your application gets revoked. And, and, and then trying to, along with Christy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at that point, you were made aware of the situation. You found out that there was another similar situation where a Hilbert student was also on probation with similar charges who had been admitted. How did it go from that point on?
6: So I think that was what made us go back and ask questions. You know, so it was he'd been admitted and and now they were and now there was this question of his criminal record perhaps being in the way, which was confusing to us because we disclosed that on his initial application. So if it had been an issue, we thought it would have prevented him from being um, admitted in the first place, but then it did not. And so when they were circling back and asking us to fill out a form, giving them the same information we'd already given them, said, okay, but we've already said this, so it can't actually be problematic. But then it took a long time. So a couple of weeks go by, and there's no movement, there's no news, and we're approaching the beginning of the school year. And we still don't really have an answer. And um, I I guess it turned out that a committee has to review it, and that that committee said no. So it was after that that we found out about the student who had already been admitted, and now we were confused. Because somebody who's in the same situation as Jamel being admitted, left us wondering what's the difference here and so we tried to set a meeting with the school to see if they would just discuss it with us further to see if there was something we could have done differently or that they could have done differently um and they weren't interested in that so i think that the the issue with hilbert is the denial but i think it's the mixed messaging in terms of like that acceptance coming in first and them having all of the information all along mm-hmm. and then circling back to ask for the criminal record, his, like details. Yeah. And then the denial as a result of that, I think that, in, and she explains to me that the, the reason is that, you know, one person was in charge of his initial acceptance, but she's the person in that person didn't have access to his criminal history, but that's a process that is flawed in a number of ways. But also when it comes to light to us, that this is, not actually your policy, it makes it a little bit harder to swallow um, and explain and then live with. Uh, When we went to Hilbert, it was, I Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you've been to ECC, but like Hilbert is a, you know, it's a small college. It's a um, mm-hmm. beautiful campus. We went and they, uh, you know, on that tour day, they take you around and they, we were in the locker room and we were in dorm rooms and we were in classrooms and we're meeting with all of these different people. And I think both of us could see Jamel in this environment and thriving in this environment. And it's unfortunate that there was no way for us to show Hilbert that he could thrive in that environment and that they would have been beyond lucky to have him.
2: I think we need to take a closer look at the policies that we have in place, particularly in in this case surrounding access to education for people who have had justice involvement. It is Hilbert's policy, clearly, to make decisions based on that, but that's not standard. Um, our SUNY system in 2017 made the choice to specifically not discriminate against individuals with a history of criminal activity because they realized that in doing so, you are cutting off opportunities to people who have already served their time. You are not building the strongest community possible when you are not offering the same opportunities to everybody. And when you when you look at the research that has been done surrounding education, and incarceration, one of the best ways to ensure a safer community to make sure that an individual does not recidivate, does not continue in criminal behavior, is an education. A college education specifically drops your chances of any other criminal behavior drastically. And so to have a system that is specifically not allowing those opportunities for people to get control of their life, to be successful, to be independent, while at the same time all over, you know, your website touting your your love of diversity and your commitment to accepting people from all walks of life and examining your policies and wanting to create a rich diverse fabric and mentioning specifically wanting to have a diverse community of people who have a variety of experiences and backgrounds. You can't do that while at the same time mm-hmm. omitting anybody with criminal justice activity which if you look at this if you look at the data is not historically white people, it's any vulnerable or marginalized community that is more disproportionately affected. And so by making that role, you're essentially negating everything you're saying you stand for in your diversity.
1: And what is it that you want people to know about your case, your situation, or that of similar clients?
5: I just want to say, don't give up and just push forward on your dream because they're going to try to stop you regardless.
1: Well, like I said, I I hope that you don't do that. It seems like you're not. You said you're not, and um, I know it's an overwhelming process, and I can only imagine how much more overwhelming it is for you, and I, I'm sorry you're going through that. I hope uh, – we're hoping to get some um, response from Hilbert College, uh, and and we'll, we'll have that for our listening audience when we do. And Chrissy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Jamel is a part of uh, one of the, the, the programs that's within uh, prints, and that's Project Blue, mm-hmm. correct?
6: Yes. So, like, we're a reentry program, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is it's all about combating recidivism so our recidivism rates I don't know if you know the statistics and all of that stuff but what they're like nationwide what they're like in the county and like so 67 percent of people who go to jail one time are going to go back Mm -hmm. um in Erie County it's 81 percent so you're pretty much guaranteed to go back to jail and the funding for Project Blue which is the program that Jamel is in comes out of that as an answer to that so we've been a relatively small program for five years um and our recidivism rate is 10 percent wow so it is it, it's a, not nothing it's a right. really big that's deal a, but it's a sizable it, difference. And what it is is there was this hole in what was happening in the county. So if you come home from the state, you come home on parole, you have community supervision supports. If you come out on if you come home from the feds, it's the same idea. If you come home from the county, there was nothing. It was just here you go, good luck, we'll see you next week. And so people would come back and come back and come back. And so the idea is we are right in the jail with them. And then Uh, We meet them there and we start to build a little bit of a relationship there. Timing wise, Jamel and I didn't do that. I talked to his grandma on the phone because we were locked out for the December storm and we were locked out for a COVID outbreak. So like we didn't, I met him maybe Mm -hmm. once while he was still incarcerated and then not again until after he got released. But the idea is we build a relationship with you while you're inside and then we can stick with you for up to a year post incarceration. But Jamel will tell you how long you stuck with me, Jamel. Forever. Yep. So we're (laughs) we're stuck together until one of us dies, which we hope is in a very long time, because there's a people business, right? So I can support him through this contract for a year, but the truth is, if in eighteen months we're not on our feet yet, we're sticking together. If in five years he's married and he's got kids, he doesn't need me quite as much. He's getting you know stable in his career because he's graduated from college at that point. Like he doesn't he doesn't need me in the way that he needs me now. But I'm still there.
5: Yeah, she's still gonna be there.
1: <laughs> it's great to have, have a cheerleader like that in your in your back yeah. pocket. Chrissy I'm... do her job. <laughs> <laughs> and and a question for that, like you're 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 doing you're doing your time and then you're trying you're formulating a plan and once you get out and, and back into society this 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 lady comes into your life and then and how is there is there there's a there's a trust there that needs to be earned? Is there is there a skepticism there at at, at first?
5: Nah. I feel like she got my trust as soon as I like interacted with her. Christy's that good, huh? With me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Christy, you were there for our Peace Print artist, were you oh, not? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I and we did that uh that interview via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, our artists there, the, the artwork that came out uh, was was exceptional, and these are these are these are talents, these are voices, these are, are human beings that are that sometimes are are. It's very easy for our society to say, "Hey, you did your you did your your thing, and now you're you're, you're paying for it," mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be the end of that those cases, those stories. Um, so.
6: So I think I, there's this attitude of, like, you know, you've been sentenced to whatever you've been sentenced to, but let's lock you up and throw away the key and never think about you again.
2: Well, we disappeared you from our community. Why would we have to think about you as a community? Right.
6: And so I, would, I don't know what the exact statistics would be, but almost everybody who I meet in the jail system is coming home at some point. So my idea is, why wouldn't I want, you help, want to help you develop into the neighbor I would want you to be? Why wouldn't I want to help you become tap into all of the things that are already good in you right. and then develop those things so that you can be somebody who's some, everybody, I, I always use neighbor as my answer because we all have neighbors, mm-hmm. but you were, you're you gonna need to be employed somewhere. You're gonna need to, you're gonna be the parent at somebody else's, at, your, at my kid's school, whatever the thing might be. I want them to, I want everybody to understand that nobody is just the worst thing that they ever got caught doing. That's a thing they did, it's not who they are. And I'm super lucky to get to go into this place and meet all of these people who are on their journey to becoming this, to showing everybody what they really have on the inside.
1: Proving people
5: wrong—it's always a good and feeling. And they do
6: it all the time, and I and love that.
5: If it wasn't for Christy, I I probably wouldn't be where I was at right now. That's not fair. Because that's to you. Nah, because I
1: would give yourself a lot more credit. Jamel. Yeah,
5: but she pushed me, and she she there. Everybody need that somebody. Like I I had that mindset. Like I'm not gonna give up, but. I could give up at any moment, but Christy in my corner and she and she there. So it's like
1: You have it in you, but sometimes it takes someone else to you're you're a football player. Yeah, you need a coach. Right. You need someone to, to coach that out of you. And uh it's great that it's great that, that, that Peace Prince is offering this 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 look on life because there's a lot of organizations, a lot of people in general that just this is an afterthought. Um uh, you're you're you, sh- you shouldn't like I said in one way or another. Uh, you're you're more than the sum of your own parts, and and because of mistakes that everyone makes at one point or another, it's a point in their life or another, some some greater than others. Uh, we shouldn't keep paying for that afterwards. So uh, after after contrition and after after going through all the all the all the the, the necessary. Uh, Hilbert is a, is a Catholic school or Franciscan school so penance we serve some penance and and yet here we are. but thank you all that was that, that, like I said, I appreciate that you're sharing uh, the story with the audience and uh, and the work that you do so uh, if they if they want to get in contact with peace prints or or, or or find out more or if others are in similar situations, how can they reach out to to you all?
2: You can always learn more at our website www.peaceprintswny.org it has information on volunteering more about our programs you can get in contact with us through that
1: Jamel Christian Christy thank you so very much for joining us on What's Next
2: thank you thank you
1: thank you you've been listening to What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo WOLN Olean and WBJ Jamestown your NPR station